You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Miller, left circle, high shot, he scores! JT Miller rips it off the crossbar and in. Winning some games, not having our E-game. Uh, I'm going to take the positive on that right now. And the Sharks take down the Oilers. It just feels like no one's going right now. Yeah, great, great observation. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver. 6.01 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Friday. You are listening to the Halford Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Andy, good morning to you. Good morning. Gregory, good morning to you as well. Oh, wow. I like hello, to hello. Halford and Brough in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them on the internet at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Now that was a fun night of hockey, everybody. <laughs> and it is being reflected in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket right now. I believe we have unofficially set a record for most texts received pre-show i'm about four or five scrolls deep jason all before 6 a.m this is how much you the listener want to talk about these guys the canucks this is your home of the canucks sportsnet 650 halford and bruff show we got a big one today guest list begins at 6 30 brady henderson seahawks insider from nf from espn not from nfl from espn is going to join us uh seahawks seahawks are six and a half point favorites at home Against the incoming Washington Commanders, I call them the Manders. Yeah, it's all about Geno Smith this week. He's got to keep the he's got to keep the turnovers down. Uh, Seven thirty, Bob the Moj Marjanovic is going to join us for a little CFL preview. West final goes this weekend. It is BC in Winnipeg. Uh, BC a four and a half point road dog there. So we'll talk to Moj about that. Set the table at seven thirty. Eight o'clock. It's Rick Dollywell. We'll look back on another win. For the Vancouver Canucks last night in Ottawa, we'll look ahead to the weekend, Toronto and Montreal. All that's coming up with Dolly at 8. Uh, we are giving away, for the last day this week, a pair of tickets to see WWE SmackDown on Friday, January 5th at Rogers Arena. Now, today's going to be a little different because you can send a What We Learned or Ask Us Anything because it's Ask Us Anything Friday. All you have to do is hashtag it. WWL or AUA, text it to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 and put a ticket emoji into your text and you will be entered into the contest last time this week to win tickets to see WWE SmackDown in January. Okay, so working in reverse, uh, guest list, 8 o'clock is Dolly Wall, 7.30 is Moj, 6.30 is Brady Henderson. That's what's happening on the program. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened? 
What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Elias Patterson, just a goal and two assists in a game that he didn't even think he played that well in. Vancouver Canucks, fifth straight win last night, 5-2 against Ottawa at the Canadian Tire Centre. Yeah, the Canucks could not have asked for a better start. Brock Besser scored 15 seconds into the game on a play that originally looked like Anton Forsberg had stopped it with his glove. Uh, the problem for Forsberg uh, was that uh, his glove was in the net. It's a tough, tough turn, hard yeah. turn. Uh, just a couple minutes later, Ilya Mikheyev beat Forsberg through the five hole after taking a pass from Petey, who only had the puck. Because Kuzmenko made a nice play to disrupt the Sens' breakout. Stay tuned for more Kuzmenko doing uh, good things. Uh, it looked like the Canucks at that point might run away with it. The crowd was restless. I was wondering if there were going to be fire DJ Smith chants. Of course, running away with games. This isn't San Jose. That rarely happens in the NHL. It's true. And predictably, uh, the Senators fought back. Drake Batherson. Batherson. Beat Casey DeSmith late in the first after a couple of turnovers, it should be said, by Petey and Ian Cole. Then halfway through the second, Artem Zub, back in the lineup, tied it when a shot was inadvertently tipped in by Petey. Oof. Tough who was night. trying to block it. Petey so far, mm, bit of a tough night. Uh, after such a great start, the Canucks were looking sloppy and disorganized, and they were getting outplayed pretty badly by the Sens. But here's the thing about the Canucks this season. They're getting all the bounces. And shortly after Brady Kachuk couldn't manage to shovel the puck into an empty net, I don't know what happened there. It kind of handcuffed him. It went straight across the blue. Yeah. He had straight to across a, the blue. Should have gone to his back end, I guess. I don't know. Didn't go in. And shortly after that, JT Miller got it at the top of the circle and ripped one past Forsberg, whose save percentage must have fallen even further last night. To make it 3-2 to two for the Canucks, goal to get that quick counterattack started. He gave it to Phil DiGiuseppe, who dropped it to JT Miller, who mm -hmm. ripped it home. Uh, and the Canucks' good fortune continued in the third when Mikheyev directed a Pedersen wrister past Forsberg with his foot. Credit to Kuzmenko for winning a battle to start that rush. Pedersen, who was bouncing back after a couple of mistakes earlier in the game, uh, made it 5-2. Uh, and he made it 5-2 just two seconds after the Canucks started a power play. Miller won the faceoff back to Hughes, who passed it to Petey for the big one-timer. And that, folks, was the game. Let's hear now from Elias Pettersson post-game with Canucks reporter Kate Pettersson. Hey, a Pettersson Pettersson. Uh, it was interesting that, you know, usually these walk-off interviews, they're kind of paint-by-numbers. They're not really in-depth or anything. But I did like what Petey had to say here because he acknowledged, even though he had three points to move him into the NHL scoring lead, he still wasn't satisfied. This is Pettersson post-game, 5-2 win over Ottawa. Elias, good teams find ways to win. What do you take from this one? Uh, yeah, the win. I don't think it's the best effort from us. Uh, I think my line, uh, especially me, I wasn't having my best night, but uh, turning too many pucks overs and just playing a little soft, but uh, happy with a win, find a way to win. What was the message heading into the third, knowing that you needed a big effort there to get it done? Uh, we just talked about wanting a good 20 minutes, uh, and that's I think we did. We um, defended well in the last one uh, or last period, and uh, yeah, happy with the win. 
that final goal on the power play off the draw, the one-timer, is that something you drew up? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it. Um, if Miller wins it clean like it did, then, then yeah, it was a uh, clean game, a good pass, so it's just try shoot as hard as I could. Thanks, Elias. Thank you. All right, here's the plan, guys. Uh, you win the faceoff, you, you get back to Quinn, and then Quinn passes to me, and I blast it home. All, All right, right the break. Impor- the Let's impor- go. <laughs> the important part is you hit a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot. Can we draw that up? Yeah. Can we do that? So the Canucks did play better as the game progressed. They had a really good start, and I would say a really good finish. The middle part wasn't very good, and uh, GT Miller said, you know, we weren't at our best. Uh, I didn't hear what Rick Tockett had to say, but I'm sure it was similar Um Everyone's takeaway was almost identical. We weren't at our best. We didn't play great. We made some mistakes, but we still won the game. Mm-hmm. Now, part of it is kind of what you were alluding to. They're not even alluding to, just straight out saying, is that they are, they're getting a lot of bounces right now. Everything is going their way. It's funny because we'll get to the Edmonton story in a sec because Edmonton is the polar opposite of that. Uh, Evander Kane actually had you know some pretty good insight yesterday talking about it's not so much that we're making a ton of mistakes, but every time we make one, mm-hmm. 100% of the time, it ends up in the back of the net. With yeah. the Canucks right now, so many things are breaking their way. Like the Forsberg save, and I'll give him credit for making a pretty nice save, even though he didn't really make a save. Um, you know, those are instances of a few inches where it goes one way or the other, and it really profoundly dictates the game, right? Because, yeah. I mean, you talk about what do you want to do on the road? Well, let's tick all the cliche boxes. One, get off to a quick start. Well, Brock Besser scored the fastest goal <laughs> to start a game in the NHL this season, right? But a fortunate one because had that been a matter of inches, it's out of the net and not in. Yeah. So there is an element of this of the Canucks getting their bounces, but there's also an element of, hey, look, when we get gifted these opportunities, we have to do something with them. And that's where the good team and good players part of this comes in. Uh, we should mention that Casey DeSmith did get the start mm-hmm. yesterday. And I think talk has suggested that he could get two of the three games on this road trip. In fact, I suppose it's likely now because, so. because the Canucks play back-to-back Saturday and Sunday. Demko gets the start on Saturday. DeSmith back in there for Montreal. I liked the call. I thought it was great. The Smith Revenge game, of course, his old team. Yeah, against against Montreal. He just hates those guys, right? I wonder what kind of video tribute they're going to give him. (laughs) Um, So things are uh, looking pretty good right now for the Canucks. But the whole, like, are they going to regress question is still out there. And it's a fair question to ask, right? Like, you know, (laughs) hold on. Well, hold on a sec. Like, I was was actually thinking about this uh, the other day. You know how, um, well, you might not, but you know how uh, we've been talking a lot about the economy and how the Bank of Canada and, you know, central banks around the world are like, we want a soft landing. Like, that's what they're trying to do with the economy, right? We want, you always hear that. We want to, we want the economy to have a soft landing. We don't want to have a crash. So we're going to have to be careful with, our policies, et cetera. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of discomfort, but we want the soft landing. We don't want like an economic crisis. Sure. Crises are bad. That's what I'm hoping. Does does that make any sense at all to you? I'm I'm following it. Are you following it? I'm doing it. I'm kind of having the Lenny face right now. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, Like, like that's what the Canucks for, for regression. That's what we're all hoping for. Like if there is regression, it's not like a disastrous 
crash, it's right? A soft regression. It's a soft a regression, soft, peaceful and regression. you know, maybe not everything is going their way, and maybe God forbid they lose a few games here and there. Um, but for the most part, they're able to maintain the good things that they're doing. And I would say that's that's what I predict. Like, unless there's a horrific injury or two to the Vancouver Canucks, knock on wood, mm-hmm. like I don't expect a massive crash because I think they've got so many good players. Like, they have a lot of elite players, and, you know, I suppose it's happening to the Edmonton Oilers right now, and I suppose it has happened to the Canucks, but I think it's unlikely that there's this massive reverse, this massive crash. There will be regression. They are not going to win at this rate for the rest of the season. Otherwise, they'd be the greatest regular season team in NHL history, and they're not, right? Everyone knows, like, there's imperfections to this roster, but right now, we are enjoying their start. They are they, they are banking points and that's really important because when the regression comes and hopefully it's a soft regression not a hard regression they'll still be in a good spot yeah like i don't i get that this conversation is out there but to me it's almost like comical that people are having it with the passion and fire that they are it happens every year though with a team Happens every That's every fine. year with the team. That's fine, but we can block out the outside noise and look at this and give kudos to the group for doing what every team in the NHL needs to do throughout the course of an 82 game season. Find a stretch where you go on a heater and you win multiple games, like how the Canucks have won five in a row, mm-hmm. and you and you said it, the only thing that matters right now is banking points. That's it. That's all that matters. Well, no, more than that matters. How they play matters. I'm sure the Canucks, after that game last night in Ottawa, were like, look, guys, if we continue to play like this, we won't keep getting the results. Right now, we're getting some bounces. We're getting some results. Our finishing is unbelievable. They didn't have many shots on Anton Forsberg last night. They scored five goals, right? Right. Like They can't expect that to keep happening. And how many times times have we seen winning streaks end and then a losing streak starts? You You win your last few. And you don't maybe don't deserve them, and then and then you go on a losing streak, right? Yeah, That's you, what they want to avoid, they, and they also want to just keep getting better. Yeah, you just explained regression essentially. Is that they're not always going to play as well as they've played. The issue is, can you manufacture points, and can you just keep your head above water when you go through the bad times and the down times, mm-hmm. right? Can you not have a set go o five and two instead go? Three, three, and one, or you know what I mean? Like, find a way to manufacture and generate results. And good, and you, good goaltending is always the key to that, right? Right. So, good, good goaltending is always the key to avoiding these long losing streaks. And I think what you're seeing in Edmonton right now is there is a goaltending issue. The Oilers keep out shooting these teams, and they keep losing. Now, some of it, a lot of it, is also on the players because. When you're chasing games, and the others have found themselves chasing games, oftentimes because they don't get goaltending early on, they chase the games, and they're like, oh, my God, the pucks aren't going in for us. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, someone makes a bad pinch, they get too aggressive, and there's a counterattack the other way, and it goes in the net. And is is that not kind of the story from last night in San Jose? Edmonton is chasing, 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 and they did it all last night, eventually losing to the San Jose Sharks 3-2 at the SAP Center. A game in which everyone felt Edmonton had to have was also a game in which Edmonton never held a lead. They were either chasing it or tied all night. Same script as always. They fired a bunch of pucks on net, 
They couldn't get enough goals. They gave up bad, untimely goals. They couldn't get a timely save. And now they fall to <laughs> tied with San Jose. Unbelievable. For the fewest points in the NHL. They're not dead last. San Jose is still dead last on the tiebreaker because of points percentage. But there's two teams in the bottom of the NHL standing stuck on five points. It is the San Jose Sharks who have lost two games this year by giving up 10 goals. And a team that many people pick to win the Stanley Cup, the Edmonton Oilers. Emily texts in, what does it say about me that I'm potentially more excited about the Oilers' loss than the Canucks' win? Well, Emily, it says, like, well, you're like all of us, not a not a very good person. Not a very good sports fan, but actually a really you're a great good sports, sports fan. fan. You're a great sports fan. Terrible, terrible person. person. Terrible person. person. Uh, but we're, we're allowed to be terrible people when we're talking about being sports fans. Um, I also think, Emily, that that loss to San Jose was far more... Um, Consequential than the Canucks win in Ottawa. Sure, like, sure like, that's is fair. It, like, listen, if you're Ken Holland, if you're Ken Holland right now, and you're not getting fired, <laughs> I don't know if you can assume that, but let's say you're not. Um, you got to make the move. You got to make. Listen, e- even if you, even if you have to feel like so bad to go to Jay Woodcroft and be like, this, this isn't your fault, but. It, you're not part of the solution right now. We got to bring in someone who might be part of the solution. You have to do it now. Mm. You you can't wait much longer. Like that has to be the last straw. I'm sorry. It, it, the Oilers have had all these games where like we got to win it. We got to win this one. Right? They've had two against the Vancouver Canucks after that eight one loss to the Canucks. They were like, this is a big one for us. They lost them both. Mm. And then, you know, everyone was looking at that San Jose game and going, you cannot lose that. Like, you absolutely cannot lose. Well, they lost it. Yeah. They need to make a move. And, you know, if, if if Ken Holland isn't talking to another coach right now, he's not doing his job because there's not much else he can do. He put Jack Campbell on waivers, and Jack Campbell, what, we went and got uh, – did, did the Abbotsford Canucks put, put a bunch behind him last Four. night too? Right? So – 20 shots. Four he, he's kind of – he needs to do something. Right, they need to switch. They need to make a change, and people say, "Well, don't make a change for the sake of making a change." That's not always true. Yeah. Sometimes you have to make a change for the sake of change, just to change things up and to give a different whatever it it's is, the different system, untenable. different attitude, whatever. Because they are blowing a season that they came in. And a lot of people picked them to win the Stanley Cup, and they are near the bottom of the league. They need to do something. So in the aftermath, Jay Woodcroft spent almost his entire presser without answering the very obvious question that was looming in the air. And then came Mark Spector. Here we've got the whole back and forth. Last question of the presser where Speck asks Woodcroft about his job security. Here's what it sounded like. Take it away, laddie. It's a lousy question, but I got to ask. 32nd place here. Are you worried about your job? No, I worry about taking care of my daily business and my daily process and making sure that I give my players something to focus on and concentrate on. No one's happy with where we're at. We all own it. Uh, We can be better, and that's where my focus is. Shortly thereafter, Mark Spector posted an article on sportsnet.ca talking about how the Oilers are broken and immediate changes need to be made behind the bench. So it's out there. They're swirling. If they weren't swirling before the Sharks game, they are absolutely swirling now. It just seems like 
and here's the thing. No one's really blaming Woodcroft, but they're acknowledging that something's broke. You're not the guy that's going to be able to fix it. That much is evident. Mm-hmm. And even though we think you're a good coach and a smart guy, like you said, sometimes change just has well, to be made. How yes, much of Laddie. it is, is McDavid literally being broken? Like He's not well. If you watched the game yesterday, there was a shorthanded opportunity for the Sharks. He got stripped of the puck. Yeah. He couldn't even race back. Like He's, mm-hmm. he's the fastest he's guy in the he's NHL. Yeah, he is not 100%. He did an interview with Speck and... Speck asked him about his health, and he said, I'm healthy enough, mm-hmm. right? Which means I'm not 100%. I guess the issue there would be if the house of cards completely collapses when McDavid's not at 100%, what do we really have here? You know, that's kind of a concern. It's like if we don't have Connor playing at his highest elitist level, mm-hmm. what are we as a team? Are we the 31st-ranked team in the NHL? Are we basically San Jose in terms of points? Like, that's a scary proposition, right? Now... I'll say this, if Ken Holland can go in and fire Jay Woodcroft with a straight face while also being the same guy that gave him Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner as a goalie tandem, he's got some kind of cojones because that is on, that is 100% on Holland. The, the goaltending tandem. Well, Holland could go in there and be like, listen, I'm getting fired in the end of the season. So, <laughs> so guess who's getting fired before me, Jay? <laughs> but I, I think also what's, what's worth remembering here is, you know how we talk about the Leafs and how you look at them right now and you're kind of like, they, they might have just missed their chance. Like they had all those times where they lost in the first round or last year they lost in the second round and it might just be over for them. Right, yeah, they've still got some good players there, but you know they've they've got some contractual issues. Their defense doesn't look good. Obviously, they've spent a lot in terms of draft picks and prospects, and maybe it's just over for them. The Oilers don't want to get to that point with with this team, and the problem is is they've got Drysaddle only for this year and next year, and then uncertainty beyond that. They've got McDavid for this year and two more years after that, and then uncertainty. You can't just wipe out a year like you can't and that's why I say you got to make a move you got to do whatever you got to do to salvage this Zach Hyman's 31 Kane's 32 Nuge is 30 right well, like, yeah I don't like, think you like, need to, you, we don't need to belabor the point that they they can't throw away a year I think away. we do need to belabor that year right like, or the, belabor that point just because people don't like people there seems to be like well as long as McDavid they've got McDavid they'll be fine I'm like no They've made a lot of bets. Like Zach Hyman, again, he's 31. He's got five years left on his deal. New just 30. He's got six more years left on his deal. Darnell Nurse. Oh, my God. I don't know what they're going to do with that. Like He, he was the second star. Somebody posted his, what his buyout would look like today. <laughs> it's a well, long one. Here's, I mean, what we're ta- when we're talking about the window is that Holland has made a the bunch. The window is right now, right. and they're last in the league. Holland's made a bunch of aggressive moves to put them over the top in their window, which, again, to reiterate Jason's point, is open right now. Like Duncan Keith, Jack Campbell, all the, the Zach Hyman move. All these moves and all these acquisitions were designed to step on the gas pedal now, which is why you have to consider firing your coach 13 or sorry, 12 games into a season. Like under any other circumstances, you'd say, you know what? We have enough elite level talent to probably get our way out of this, even though it's a big hole. So we'll just see it through. But you can't because you like they need to make the playoffs this year. I know people are joking around sending in uh, photoshops of an Oilers jersey with Celebrini on the back of it. Like that's funny, but if they go into the draft lottery, like heads will roll. 
It'll be Woodcroft at some point. It'll be Holland at some point. I'm not sure if you have to entertain the idea of changing up the mix to a certain degree, but there have to be consequences for being this bad with a Stanley Cup contender. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. What's more surprising, the Canucks start or the Oilers start? Oilers start. Yeah, Oilers start. 100%. They're the worst team in the NHL, potentially. Mm-hmm. Like The Canucks are good. And it's great, and they're on a heater, but teams go on heaters. I've, I mean, Edmonton hasn't done this in the McDavid era. They haven't done this. This is the, one of the worst starts of the seasons in franchise history. They're awful. They've won two games. They got bland. They, they, I think maybe the most surprising part in all of this is the hand that Vancouver has played in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the gap in the look at the gap in the standings now between the Vancouver's Canucks and the played others. a big part in all this. Yes, they his first two first game eight one. That that's not getting your season off to a great start if you're Edmonton. And the next the next game was like kind of symbolic of how a lot of Oilers games have gone. They've outshot their opponents badly, but their goaltending hasn't been good, and they just, for whatever reason, haven't been able to score like they did last year. Now do the third game, where all of them freaked out and Jay Woodcroft got tossed. Like, Mm. Vancouver, if this thing goes completely off the rails, the Canucks have played such a massive, massive part in that derailment. And again, look at them right now. The Canucks are on 21 points. The Oilers have five. (laughs) They're 16 points clear of the Oilers. Like, that is, that is an unbelievably shocking thing that I really haven't wrapped my head around yet. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. 803 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Rick Dollywall, in case the music didn't give it away, is going to join us in a moment here. Kick off hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintec.net. You see him on Donnie and Dolly on Czech TV every day, and you hear him right now on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Rick Dollywall joins the program. Hello, Rick. Good morning. Gentlemen, how's it going? All good? Another big weekend coming up sports-wise. Oh, man. What are you most excited about? Is it the Leafs in Toronto and Montreal? Is it the Lions in the West Final? Well, if you don't mind, uh, uh, I'd like to start with the Lions because, look, there's a berth in the Great Cup on the line. And you know what? Uh, that kind of sucks that the Lions and the Canucks are going to be kind of up against each other. Mm-hmm. And because I know that, um, and the Lions have told me this over the year, their TV numbers uh, in in the Lower Mainland are really strong. And, you know, they had trouble getting people to BC Place, but they've always had strong numbers television-wise um, in, in the Lower Mainland. So it'll be interesting to see. They're going to be up against each other, the Canucks and the Lions, tomorrow. Uh, but in Winnipeg, I, I, I just want to say this. Vernon Adams is going to have to play 
uh, the game of his life. If he runs and gets away from the heat in the pocket, like he did against the Stampeders last week, they'll have a chance. Because you guys both know they have no running game, which hurts. And because in that weather, and I and for you two, I checked the weather in Winnipeg this morning. Just for you two, I usually don't do yeah, it's this. It's not that bad, is it? No, it's it's minus one tomorrow, mainly sunny. Mm-hmm. That's pretty damn good for you know November in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. You know, I I remember I covered a Great Cup in Winnipeg. Uh, it was like minus twenty. It was really really cold. Um, you're still going to need even at minus one, guys. You're going to need a running game. They just don't have one. And if Vernon Adams can run for fifty, sixty yards, guys, I, I think they'll have a chance. Uh, but the other thing I want to mention to you guys, the Great Cups in Vancouver next year, and there's good momentum in this market with the Lions, also with the Whitecaps. Uh, both of these uh, teams had an incredible weekend. Uh, Donnie and I went to the Lions game. What a, what an atmosphere, Whitecaps game, obviously. Uh, that was great. Um, the Lions, they got the Great Cup in Vancouver next year, right? And the biggest thing I saw with the Lions uh, at the Calgary game last week, uh, a ton of young people. Uh, a ton of young people. That's huge for the Lions because the C- CFL audience across from here to Newfoundland is traditionally known to be old. Like, you know, guys like me and Taylor who went to Empire Stadium, but they need to get younger. And I saw that at BC Place last week, which I thought was great. I don't see them beating Winnipeg, but I, I am calling a close game, guys. Well, hopefully they can give it, uh, give it a go and make it exciting and uh, maybe yeah. force a few Canucks fans to flip over to the and uh, watch. But uh, yeah, it is it is kind of unfortunate that the Canucks and the Leafs, you know, one of the prime games of the season, is going to go up against the Lions in the West Final. What did you think of the Canucks last night in Ottawa? Not a great effort. You guys know that. Uh, 16 shots out, shot 30-16. But again, they're winning some ugly games. And when can you two tell me that in years past they won these type of games? They didn't. They didn't. And, you know, uh, but look at the other night against Edmonton. 19 two shots, three goals, seven shots. Vancouver's on top. Last night, first two shots, uh, uh, goals. They've got tremendous skill. And uh, they've got tremendous skill. And all you got to do is look at the NHL point leaders, Pedersen, Miller, Hughes in the top five. Uh, when you got skill like that and, you know, you're getting out shot. Again, everything's coming up roses. Um, you know, that's two games in a row, you know, where Demko and DeSmith uh, badly outshot. Right now, I, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, Demko and DeSmith are the best one-two tandem in the NHL. I know the Bruins are right there. I know the Rangers are right there. But I'm going to tell you right now, these two have been great. DeSmith, uh, I, I was so concerned in the summer that they were yeah. going to go with Seelovs and Me Martins. And, I, and that the move, and I'm going to tell you something else right now, both of you, is that Demko and DeSmith have the same agent, right? So I think uh, what I was told, the agent had uh, played a pretty significant role in getting DeSmith uh, to Vancouver. And and if you think about it, why not? You know, DeSmith is going to relieve Demko so many times, give him the necessary rest he needs. Um, it's a very capable uh, backup, but it just goes to prove you can't have backups making eight hundred grand in the NHL. Dismiss at three million. It cost the Canucks uh, to get them, uh, but they did get rid of the salary. But it's been a brilliant move because those two have been absolutely uh, sensational so far. Uh, Dolly, I know there's a few topics you want to get to here. Uh, Jim Rutherford's future. 
Okay, you guys remember that story in the Toronto Sun last year? I think it was after the All-Star game. I think it was Simmons that wrote Rutherford mm-hmm. was going to quit in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you right now, fat chance of that happening now. Rutherford's got a great relationship with the owner. They get along swimmingly. There is no interference. Rutherford's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's won three Stanley Cups. You can't tell him how to do his job. There's no way. The owner still, <laughs> ripping me. The owner still has a right to know, though, and he has to okay if a president wants to spend sixty, seventy million on a player. But when it comes to hockey decisions, he's staying out of it, and it's paying off. Rutherford's health is good. He's been treated well in Vancouver. Not sure why he wouldn't sign an extension when his contract's up. At his age, he didn't come here to stay here for two, three years and go to another team. Uh, you also know, both of you, that this start has got you know Rutherford pretty energized. Uh, you know, I, I I have no evidence to suggest that he won't sign an extension in Vancouver. So is his contract up at the end of this year? I think this summer he can uh, redo another one, and okay. and and I just uh, the, the whole organization's been uh, you know re-energized, like the players, the coaches, management, scouts, uh, the owner. Everyone's getting texts from all around the league saying, "Oh my goodness!" You know, when I talk to people around the league, the the, the biggest credit goes to Talkit guys. Mm-hmm. When I talk to people, the, the biggest credit, I'm sorry, is the clarity he's brought, the teaching his staff does, the system the players have bought him to. You know, what's most impressive is when they fall behind, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but they don't change the way they play. That's important. And talk it telling these guys to get in shape in the summer, Besser doesn't make the changes in the summer he did if, if talk it doesn't, you know, do that. Kuzmenko, great shape. Kuzmenko was on the media, uh, you know, diet, pancakes and waffles last year. Not any <laughs> More, you know, you know, he's not eating the pancakes and waffles. You know that, uh, you know, in the media, that's us. But those things add up. Players are buying what he's preaching, and and I want to say one thing about regression. You know, I get tired of hearing uh, the Canucks are going to regress. This team has missed the playoffs seven of the last eight years. Now they're ten two and one. How about just enjoying the run? This fan base, more than any fan base in the NHL, deserves the start. If they lose a few, who cares? Just yeah. enjoy a 10-2-1. Why does there have to be talk about regression? Like, no team goes coast-to-coast without uh, peaks and valleys. But, you know, just enjoy the run. Yeah, no, we're definitely enjoying it. Um, I know you wanted to talk about uh, a couple guys down in the AHL, Archdeep Baines, who has 16 points in 12 games, and then Vasily Podkolzin. I don't know exactly what his health status is, but I know he scored five goals in six games. I'm sure the Canucks would like to get a look at some of these guys, but right now there's no injuries to speak of. Knock on wood on that. Um, And they've still got... Some guys maybe that they'd like to move, but there haven't been any trades. So what are the Canucks thinking about guys like Baines and Pot Colson down in the AHL right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I looked into this, and, and the biggest thing I've been told is patience is is the word that was described to me when it came to Pod Colson and Baines, and, and for that matter, all his prospects. No rushing the prospects with this management team. Develop them properly. Call up when the time is right. Let them cook in Abbotsford. Getting a ton of points doesn't mean you're going to get called up. I'm sorry. Playing the right way does. Play without the puck is just as important. I'm going to give you an example. Rutherford had Teddy Bluger in Pittsburgh, right? Great years after training camp, he sent Bluger to the minors. Bluger wasn't doing cartwheels. He made the team 
third year training camp but he had to go to the minors for two years and then he made the team in the third year i mean look a slew of injuries can change everything remember last year i think the canucks had 10 injuries to finish the year they had half of abbotsford up here but what i've been told is barring injuries expect a lot of patience with prospects in abbotsford uh did you mention that on, on your show that you'd heard anthony bovillier's name in trade rumors yeah, there's there's three guys. Uh, they got to clear the cap space, guys. Uh, you know, if they want to go out and sign Ethan Baird, uh, look, they got to they got to get some. So yeah, I heard that name. I, Garland's out there. Obviously, we know we we know that, and we also know that you know Tyler Myers is a contract they've tried to move for a long time. But he, uh, Bouvillier, is a UFA. He's at four one four point one million dollars. And look, they're they got no cap space, and you know it doesn't. You know, you can understand, uh, Jason, which guys are trying to move to create cap space. So, yeah, I definitely heard his name on the weekend. So if you're having trouble moving Garland, which they are, mm-hmm. why not go to some other targets and, and potential targets? And you know what? They're going to need that $4.1 million uh, when, they, when they go to do Pedersen and Heronic and, and all these guys. Uh, boy, they got some big deals coming up. But, yeah, I did hear that name. Um, is there any update on Ethan Barra? Feels like we ask you this every week. I, I do have one. I, I look. I'm going to tell you right now. I expect the Canucks to be aggressive going after Bear. They keep in touch with his agent on a regular basis. I expect the Canucks to create the necessary cap space to take a shot at signing him. Even if they acquire another defenseman, I'm told they're still going to be in on Bear. Bear is not expected. This is the update I got. I, I tried to get uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, Bear is not expected to be healthy till late December after okay. Christmas, I'm told. So his agent's going to be in a very good position when he's ready because he's going to play be a player you can get for free. And getting guys that have that many NHL games in November, December for free, that, you know, that's pretty good. It won't be a huge contract. And a week before, you know, there's going to be teams that run into injuries on the blue line on the right side. And here's this guy sitting for free. He doesn't, he's not going to cost you a ton. His injury, his agent's going to be in a pretty good spot. But I can tell you this, that he is very, high, very, very high on the Canucks list to obtain. Yeah. Well, I was wondering, is there like a, is there a lean that you can sense from the Ethan Bear camp? Like, does he want to be on the Canucks, or is he kind of like, well, whoever needs me the most in whatever best situation? Like, no, is he, there any sense of like loyalty, I guess, to the Canucks? Yeah, I, 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 he's working out in Kelowna, and he loved his time in Vancouver. Um, he, he, I've been told. Okay, let me put it to you this way: when Carolina was trading him. He had told his agent that Vancouver was number one on his list of places he wanted to go. So if he wanted to be, if he wanted to come to Vancouver after Carolina, uh, well, I don't know why anything would change. Um, I think uh, Vancouver's high on his list still, but there's four to five teams. But I, due to injuries, there might uh, end up being more teams in on him. But I do, I, I would say to you, Jason, yes, I, I would say to you uh, that Ethan Bear. Uh, Vancouver, and don't forget, Rick Tockett's going to play a big role in this too. You, you don't think that Elvino Rutherford, Abbas Tockett, you know, Tockett had Bear last year, right? So I think there's a, and that's the other thing, you know, last year uh, when Boudreaux was here, I don't think the management and the coach were on the same uh, page. I think mm-hmm. right now, you better damn well believe that the management and the coaching staff are all on the same page. All these guys that, that they've gone after with Pittsburgh connections, you don't think that Tockett approved every single one of them? He did. 
you know. And when I hear that the well, Canucks, you, uh, you know, like Zeradoff out of Calgary, that's got Tockett's uh, fingerprints on all. He's big. He can skate. He can hit hard. You know, so this is a management team that works side by side with the coaching staff uh, on uh, potential targets. And, and you know what? Uh, I'm not surprised that, that they're in on Ethan Bear as much as uh, they are. Rick, it was a very peaceful chat with you today. Not no much yelling. yelling. Not much no, yelling. I don't yell, bro. But oh, you know what? There, you there make me yell. Okay. All you right. make me yell. All right. Enjoy the games this weekend. There's a lot of them. Have fun, buddy. Thanks, Rick. Okay. Take. Okay. Bye. Bye. Uh, Rick Dollywall. Uh, I don't yell. I'm not he, a yeller. He of the Donnie and Dolly Show on Check TV. You can hear him here every Friday on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. If they acquire Bear, which D-man would come out of the lineup? Friedman or would he be a depth piece? Yeah, Friedman will come out. Yeah. But, or, 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 I mean, they might, if Tyler Myers is traded, then who knows? Um, I, I think the, I think the, the Canucks defense is probably going to see some changes. Over this season, um, I still really wonder, like, if they Hughes and Hronik have been so good together as as a management group. Like, first of all, is this good for the team to have all our eggs in one pairing? Mm-hmm. And also, like, how much is this hurting our negotiation leverage with Hronik? Which teams have like? They're maybe top two defensemen on the same pairing. Like I think they do it with Taves and Makar mm-hmm. in color in Colorado, right? right? Yeah, they've been a pairing. I want to say the the top one in Carolina is Slavin and Burns. I think they're pretty elite in yeah. terms of what they do. Lindgren plays with Fox in in with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, a lot of teams don't do it. They like if I'm the up. coach right now, I'm not splitting up that pair until until you need to. I'm right? trying to you do this off keep, the top of just, my head. So text in if you're if I'm missing one here, dear listeners, six fifty mm-hmm. six fifty. But I, I'm more just thinking about. I know the wins and losses are the most important thing. So you just you try and win as many games, and if Hughes and Hironic is the best thing to keep together right now, but I think we can all admit that it does complicate things a little bit because Philip Hironic is only getting more and more leverage. In his negotiations, yeah, that, I mean, and it just complicates really, it. But that right? can't really play into this. You what can't, do you mean? Well, what are you going to do? You're well, gonna, I just you said, give yeah. him a reduced role so you can keep his. Price no, I just said and, wins yeah. and losses, but you, you've still got this complication. Like there are going to be two very tough contracts to negotiate, Pedersen and Hronik. It complicates. It's okay to admit that it complicates the negotiations tenfold, right? Because all of a sudden you're looking at this guy. Hronik, and you're saying, mm-hmm. well, geez, I mean, if this keeps up, he's going to be an <laughs> 82 assist player, right? right? He's averaging more than an assist a game, yeah, never mind. He's going to be like, well, my comps suggest I should actually be getting paid more than Quinn Hughes. He's going to have, I mean, he, the numbers will come back to earth, but he's going to... It'll a, just be an interesting negotiation, that's all I'm saying, right? Put it this right? way, there's a very good chance that Hronik's going to post a lot of career highs, right? Possibly in deployment in terms of minutes, in points. I mean, he's got to score a goal to actually get a goal, but he, you know, there's a lot of things at play here which could make the situation a little more uncomfortable. I yeah, I don't know what the answer is. It's such a good question because on the surface it seems like the answer is super simple. You're like you'd be crazy to break them up. They're the best defensive pair in the NHL. Mm-hmm. But then we all know how the game works, how a season goes along, and that sometimes things don't always stay together. Forward lines rarely stay together for an entire year. A handful do, but a lot of them change because circumstances change. Injuries are going to play a part. 
That's that's the reality of the situation. I am confident in saying that everyone on the Canucks roster is not going to play between 75 and 82 games this year. Like, there's going to be an injury or two where guys are going to miss extended periods of time, and you're going to need to adjust on the fly, which is why, going back to your point, you might need to see what it's like when Hughes and Hronick don't play together. So Greg and Lad Wasson text in, and we have I actually from Lad Wasson right here. I actually think this is a really good text, and we've kind of talked about this before. Um, is there something to be said about the best way to build a team in the salary cap era not being with a high-powered offense? Teams with very top-heavy salary structures simply cannot get it done. Teams that build defense-oriented systems keep their star players' point totals low, hence avoid having players with massive contracts. I almost think winning the lottery these days is as much a curse as a blessing. Bedard will probably be making $14 million a year before the Hawks ever get truly competitive. And how sweet would it be to watch them flounder in Bedard's prime years the way the Oilers are floundering now in McDavid's prime? Okay, taking out all the Bedard stuff and the McDavid stuff, um, I do think there's something to be said about building a team with defense as the best thing it does. Because... What are the comps that are used when you go to negotiations? Mm-hmm. Points. Yeah. Point totals, mm-hmm. right? Often, yes. Last year, the Canucks had these guys who were having great individual seasons in Pedersen and Hughes. They put up really impressive point totals. The team wasn't very good, though. Right. But you got to pay those guys with their point totals, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure there's pushback. Yeah, more goes into it than that. There's than sh- but there's pushback, but there's also some agents that are be like, "Nope. That's the comp." Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs in a nutshell, right? Is that you've got all well, these I think big the, the high-priced is- offensive flyers. But the reality of it is is the results after the regular season like, haven't been there. I think there's there's a reason why there's such a connection between Stanley Cup winning teams and Selkie Trophy guys. Like, Selkie Trophy guys don't always put up massive numbers that are going to get them McDavid type of contracts, mm-hmm. but they're so valuable to your team. Okay, For, for me, it's more yes, about the, the top heaviness of it and the, the fact that hockey is the ultimate team sport. I think it's unlike all the other sports where, hey, in basketball, sure, you can have two guys making all the money on the team. And it might be worth it, right? And it might be worth yeah. it. You might actually yeah. win. Yeah, but in hockey, point. you need it all the way throughout your lineup, and you can't have just a top-heavy first line. It doesn't work. Okay, uh, we're going to do what we learns coming up. A reminder that we're also giving away SmackDown tickets, and we haven't picked a winner yet. If you want to go see SmackDown, WWE's SmackDown, on Friday, January 5th, Rogers Arena. Send in a What We Learned or Ask Us Anything. The Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Hashtag is AUA or WWL. And put a ticket emoji into your text. That'll get you into the contest. My What We Learned as we go to break here is that this is going to be a very poignant weekend for Canucks fans. Because in addition to the team playing a couple of classic Canadian rivalries, original six teams in Toronto and Montreal, you get all the emotions stirred up there. Saturday, we are going to see the reunion of John Shorthouse, John Garrett, and Dan Murphy, the tremendous trio better known as Shorty, Cheech, and Murph. They're going to be working together and broadcasting a game. Which game? The Canucks game? Not the Canucks and Leafs. Ah, They are going to be working Saturday night's Bruins-Habs game 
from Montreal. Shorty's second job is doing Bruins games now. It's amazing. He yeah, called he that the Bruins Panthers yeah, series. Yeah. Second favorite team, isn't it? Yeah. So he loves the Bruins. They're his favorite team. <laughs> <laughs> he is going to murder me for saying that because he brought it up on the broadcast last night. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught that during uh, the Sens game, but he said, "If Halford and Bruff need a what we learn for tomorrow." Here's their what we learned. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, to oblige. So yeah, the three the three amigos, the three musketeers getting back in the saddle together. Nice. It'll be great to watch if you're a Canucks fan. You want to <laughs> back in the saddle together. All it's three a, of them. Got to be a better shorty. way to say that. <laughs> that the Mukau shorty. <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> Someone photoshopped. I don't, no, th- I don't think that's how they're advertising it. <laughs> three or maybe they are. The three amigos back in the saddle. Okay. Together. All together. It's a big horse. Okay. It's a big, it's a big saddle. Big, sturdy horse. How do you think they go? Cheech in the middle? Cheech up front. You got to go like. <laughs> Cheech on Murph's shoulders. You have to go domino style. So you go smallest to biggest. Right. Right. But that, that would mean like. Cheech in the front. Is, and then I think Shorty is a little bit shorter than Murph. Is Cheech driving the horse then? Is yeah, that what you say, driving the horse? I don't think he's driving the you horse. You can't have the shorts in the front. Horse. You mean if they the stop no, quickly, they'll crush him. Who's in charge, right? Driving on a horse. Driving the horse? <laughs> Direct captaining the horse? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to figure this all out at you the steer. break. Steering the horse. How about we mook out that horse? <laughs> You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.